same China, different stories. We are the ones that found our way in a new life. Adopted babies, adopted babies from China. I'm Tara. Before this episode begins, I wanted to preface that there is some profanity. Enjoy. Hello. I had to take a week off, and this will probably be the normal routine going forward. Instead of every week, I will have episodes for everybody every other week for you, the listener, as I have nannying for four children. It's a job in itself taking care of children, but it's also a huge new adventure that I stumbled upon. Anyway, today I am here with another Grace, a different Grace. I had joined a call with one of the Chinese adoptees groups, and Grace mentioned she recognized me from messaging her on Instagram. But I'll let Grace introduce herself because her story and everything about this interview is really exciting. Hi, Grace. Hey, you're doing all right. That's exciting yes. that we're going to be working with kids in it. Mm-hmm. Like a teaching assistant, there's, yeah, parallels in there. Oh, definitely. Yes, these kids are 10, 8, 6, and a 9-month-old baby. So it's oh, 9-month-old. A... That's scary when they're that young, though. They're it is. It is. But yes, Grace, tell yeah. me more. You are from where? From England. Yay! I'm from Bristol, and I've lived here for, like, the whole of my life. And I was adopted in 97 when I was 18 months old, I'm from Hofi, um, Anhui province. And so I always find it a, like a weird one thinking about just adoption things and how like, I don't know, when I, you know, when I had a chat to you on the phone, how it's like the idea of my adopted parents not actually visiting the orphanage and having to only meet me at the hotel, I think is kind mm-hmm. of, it's just a weird sort of, thinking that the hotel had to be a the sort of moot point sort of thing whereas they never actually got to see like where I right live my life you know mm-hmm. so that was just something that just popped into my head now to be fair yes I've heard that a lot of people I've spoken with and from my personal experience too I know a group of us were brought together to a hotel nearby I guess wherever our orphanages were and that's where the parents came to meet the children yeah and there's photos too I'm sure it is interesting but I can understand probably China's very protective about who can come to the orphanages too yeah definitely for part of my art project when I was at uni like all of this uh, like kind of crowding my mind a lot and that's what basically my final major project was based on, adoption, and my adoption mm. Um, I was just really intrigued because it just kind of clicked in my head. It's like, I've never been to uh, the orphanage. Well, I've never, I can't remember the orphanage anyway. And I've never been back. One, I just like Google Maps it and see what it looks like or anything like that. Oh, yeah. Because um, my art is based on like, digital realms and things so I was thinking oh that would be really cool if I could I don't know google maps it and then put it into my art somehow I googled it and it just like doesn't exist and I tried to like find the coordinate 
um, online, found the address, but then when you put it into Google, it will just give you a sort of general area. It won't give you a place and it's not on the map. I remember mm -hmm. my mum telling me that supposedly us kids were really good with old people because we lived opposite an old people's home. And I managed to find mm. old people's home on the map, which was interesting. So I was like, there's the old people's home on the map. So we must be maybe just opposite or something. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it was just not there on the map, which very kind of, I don't know, a bit disturbing really. That mm -hmm. kind of just eradicated from view. Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting concept. Um, I don't think I really looked that closely for pictures no. but it's interesting you also say that it was next to an old folks home or senior living center yeah I'm wondering how common that is because the orphanage that I come from is right next to a senior living center as well oh really yes Maybe that's done deliberately because they know I don't know yeah. like just to enhance kids lives by by introducing them to the old people maybe I mean, I, I think mm. a, it's a pretty nice idea, isn't it? Because it's nice for both in yes. the like, relationship. That's really interesting as well, actually. That's fascinating. Yeah. That's definitely a more positive outlook. My outlook was a little bit more negative. I was thinking, yeah. is this where if children who aren't adopted, they immediately go to this old folks home next door? Oh, so right. Once they're too old? I, I'm not sure. Who knows? Mm. I like your, your view is a lot more positive to enrich the lives if they do interact and have the children and yeah. the people in the home come together. That's a much better perspective. Yeah, that's nice. Oh <laughs> With you being in the UK, because I think that's a very unique perspective to provide as a Chinese adoptee. I know we've talked about a lot of adoptees probably from China are in the US yeah north america i should say but what what has it been like growing up in the uk as a chinese adoptee i mean there there is a chinese community in i think every major city and of course you have chinatown in london and you have chinatown in other large cities there isn't one here in bristol but there is a big community of chinese people here that's of course completely separate to the adoptee community and if you mm. try to look for adoptee pages in the UK, you do, of course, get a lot of pages and kind of groups and things, but it's just sort of anyone who's adopted. There is, like, specifically for uh, Chinese adoptees, it's, like, very small. I used to go to meetings and things when I was younger uh. that my parents would take me to. But that was when I had absolutely no interest in China, I think pretty much for the reason that it wasn't communicated to me properly what China means to me. And because that wasn't communicated properly, I just thought China doesn't want me, so why should I give any interest to China and other Chinese people because they just like shunned me, basically. That was my mm -hmm. outlook as a kid go to these kind of meetings and there'll be lots of other Chinese children but I was one of the oldest and I kind of like 
just couldn't be bothered to go anymore just because it's like oh if everyone is just younger I don't really feel like you know wanting to play with these guys it all seemed there was always something like quite false about them which even as a young person you can always pick up on vibes can't you it doesn't matter how old you are but I just remember like um, this is actually a funny story it was in the summer I can't remember whose party it was but there was always one mother was like leader of the pack and she would organize these get-togethers and I remember there'd be this like new kid on the block and all the mums were in a circle um, in their garden, which I remember being huge. And I think I got some pictures of them. Yeah, so they're all standing in a like, circle. And it was such a surreal experience because they were passing around this, this baby, which was the new kid on the block. And she was mm-hmm. very much like lapping up the attention, like absolutely loving it. So they pass the baby round and then, you know, do the usual kind of, she cute and then the, the, she like <laughs> out, the baby would stretch out her arms to the next person in the circle saying like now pass me on a bit like like pass the pass mm-hmm. and then another person would do the same and then it would go on and on and I remember I remember standing next to mum who was in the circle and I was thinking like without this vocabulary because obviously I didn't have it when I was a kid but I was like thinking like what a bitch like gaining all that attention <laughs> like that she owns the place just because she <laughs> this was like I think when I was three at the time so and actually to be fair I know it sounds really weird but I think it's probably one of my very first memories actually this um mm. I yeah I do remember that quite vividly which is a weird one I think there's 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 something definitely off about those get-togethers where I don't know felt as if I was out of place maybe because I was older or maybe just because my parents didn't give off the same kind of vibe as the other parents who seemed like quite pushy and like outgoing and Hmm. It seemed like there'd be kind of like competitions as to which kid can like, I don't know, if we go to a restaurant, how much rice can you pick up with chopsticks? And I remember thinking, I can't mm. pick up any rice with chopsticks. And then you see mm. like some kids like, you know, just showing off. I said to mum and dad that I didn't want to go anymore for the reasons that mm-hmm. I'm completely not interested. And so mum and dad were just like, yeah, that's fine. We understand though probably not like you don't know probably not the best decision because then I don't really have any contacts in the UK to other adoptees mm-hmm. anymore like I have them on social media but we don't it, it's not like that you know it's not a community mm-hmm. I definitely found there to only be a community in in America and that's why mm-hmm. I'm part of those groups which I'm really right. sad about because they were the group that helped me through everything and I felt mm-hmm. like I had to do all the work myself to feel like comfortable in my identity right. and that yeah, it doesn't, really doesn't exist in the UK really I feel like I've researched it pretty well but maybe 
maybe I haven't give UK benefit of the doubt but I definitely know that I was one of the oldest in the group so I really feel like there mustn't be that many other adoptees in the UK so I don't like see myself as being really old anyway that's kind of like a weird one to think about and then you hear about adoptees in America who are of course like I don't know in their 50s or something so Mm -hmm. you can can tell how much like long-standing Chinese adoptees in America are versus UK and I guess maybe that's where the community is so much stronger in America because it's been Mm. standing for a lot longer because there's yeah, it was as if it was that was the forerunning, forefront kind of feeling. Right. You get what I mean? But yeah, that's something that I do feel like quite sort of like downhearted about for the UK. That it's just maybe it's also just part of British culture that we just mm. don't have that kind of sense of community. Well, I don't feel like that anyway. Maybe if you were a white middle-class mum, I'm sure you'd find a lot of community. Um, (laughs) But I feel like British people are very much like, keep your head down, be polite, but don't look at each other. Mm. Sort of vibes. So there isn't that space for making connections so much. In addition to connecting more with the community in the U.S. as well, do you find any more interest in wanting to connect with China, traveling back to China, even where your orphanage is, or just going back to China, like all the tour sites? Is that something you've done or would like to do? It's definitely something I'd like to do. I haven't done it. Mm-hmm. I feel like by being in those sites, it's helped me to like really open up mm-hmm. to things that I hadn't thought about. because. Before that, I just have my own, you know, thoughts and feelings in my head. I just try and kind of mush them up into a ball and kind of not think about it or have it whirling around and kind of stressing me out. When I actually joined the different groups, that was when it actually helped to open my eyes because I thought, I I think I remember, yeah, because this was like quite a long time ago when I was like, I think maybe 17 or 16 and I remember thinking like oh is that is that really weird to think that that it'd be okay to go back to China is that a normal thing to do I also Mm. thought because it felt so distant from anything it was as if it were like a revelation to find out that not find out but to believe that my birth parents would be alive that was like a huge revelation to me because it was as if mm. it was so lacking in communication that anything about my birth parents, homeland, etc., were like an option for discussion. That it was just kind of a given to me, probably as a kid, that I just fabricated that my birth parents must be dead and that going to China would be a very bad idea because they don't want me and that's that's probably something I that's, see. that's like looking back that's like a really toxic thing to think from being like so young that was just something that was 
like a, an unwritten known in my head. And then I remember thinking that, I can't remember how it manifested, but it was like a sort of turning point when I got to about like 16 or 17, that, oh, they actually might not be dead. That's not an uncommon thing for adoptive parents to be dead. They are actually alive and they're out there. And that's mm-hmm. very like refreshing to know that. But I guess, I don't know, because it only really, those kind of like feelings of wanting to go back to China only really started when I was about 18 or 19. I had the feelings mm-hmm. first, and then I was trying to, you know, resolve them and then get into a comfort zone of like, oh, I feel like everything's coming together because my feelings are right. But then there's a difference, of course, between feelings and your sort of desires, aren't there? It's sort of, mm. How am I going to like fix my feelings? And then how am I going to fulfill those desires, you know, of wanting to visit? Right. And for a point, I really wanted to move to China and just give it a go, you know, living there. But then that seemed quite short-lived because it just, I guess, <laughs> quite um, unrealistic, really. But mm. at the end of the day, it is always an option, and especially teaching and things. I know someone said in your previous podcast that apparently China doesn't actually want Chinese people to be teaching English. That I would need to look into as a thing, like a barrier, you know? Um, right. Either way, I would really like to go visit for like you know for a good amount of time and actually like really understand my roots properly. And of course, being in the environment, you really can't really compare to any sort of research or anything um, on China. Mm-hmm. Really, yeah. So I would really like to go. I really haven't traveled anywhere anyway, to be fair. The furthest. Oh, okay. I've been to Spain and I've been to Disneyland Paris, and that is it mm-hmm. outside of the UK. So I'm a real kind of like novice when it comes to traveling at all. <laughs> it's like probably a really big step up, but it is definitely like on the horizons, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah something for the future that's a good thought anything you'd say today is not set in stone you don't have to stick with it (laughs) no of course not no just go with whatever isn't it just go with it if that's one thing I'm learning during this time it's go with the flow and you can only limit yourself in it really it's endless yeah it's endless (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious to hear more because you were mentioning your uni project involved a lot with adoption Mm -hmm. in a artistic format expression how did you become interested in the arts essentially and going into that mixed media or format that you work in now when I was a kid I was always doing drawing and all the way through school I would say uh, I want to be an artist another one of my very first memories was when I was in reception class which is like um first year of school so when you're four or five and I remember my best friend telling me that she was a witch 
And I was like, oh, okay. And then I said, I'm an artist. And then she was like, no, you're not. And I was thinking like, <laughs> I am, because I make art. And I was just thinking like, how is which more realistic than artist in this situation? Yes. So anyway, that was that was just kind of an ongoing thing that I just always tell other people and myself that I was an artist. I was quite confident mm. always saying that. And then when it came to, you know, crunch time, when you get to your GCSEs, you have to choose what career you're going to have. It was just kind of a no-brainer that I was going to go into art. That's a good thing about mum um, and dad is that they are very comfortable, I think, comfortable, I guess is the word, in what mm. I choose to do and what I chose to do as a career or what I choose as my future. I guess there's always limitations to everything. Mm-hmm. They seem like fine with me choosing whatever I wanted to do as as my path in life. And of course, I had chosen art. So I'd always been interested mm-hmm. in art and I continued that. And then, of course, you go through the motions of art history, the obvious, you know, drawing, painting, printmaking. And then when I got to uni, well, it was after first year when you then had to choose which studio space you had to be in. So you have the different studios, painting, printmaking, sculpture and new media. Mm-hmm. I was still unsure as to which medium I wanted to choose. So of course, there's like so much more to explore. I just went for new media because I could just kind of encompass anything and everything together mm. and also venture into the digital realm, which seemed like, oh, that's really appealing because digital and 3D and, you know, animation things. That was actually a real turning point because that was where I found that the the digital realm really helped me to kind of contrast what I call the analog realm, meaning our world, you know, real life, reality, with something which can be constructed. So what I found in my art to be really helpful was that in our analog realm, we have a lot of unknowns and confusion and everything is left open-ended. And this obviously relating to adoption. So a lot of questions that I didn't have answers. And I knew that at the end of the day, I'm not ever, I think, going to find answers to those questions because we just need to be realistic about it, you know? That, I think, played on my mind quite a lot because, you know, it's difficult coming to terms with having questions without answers. Right. So how I dealt with that is that I use the digital realm I was thinking if I can't find the answers to my questions then essentially the answer could then be anything so if it's anything Mm -hmm. then I can make it right what I do my videos in the digital realm was just kind of make up answers and the separation between the analog and the digital felt really comforting because of course the digital mm. doesn't really exist it exists to us in like you know we're talking now is of course digital when I'm speaking it's right. existing but it's not 
you know, it's not physical. So mm-hmm. because it's not physical, that in itself also doesn't exist. So it makes that kind of correlation to my answers not existing and what I'm making also somewhat not exist. Right. It's a really confusing one because I was like, this was something that I had to yes. like, compile in my final major project essay. And I remember thinking like, how am I going to put this? This is quite confusing. Using uh, a different form of representation that doesn't exist to answer the questions that have non-representational answers. Yes, I think I see what you're saying about it's an abstract concept in a way because we're not going to ever find a concrete answer to any question, especially related to adoption. And it's also what your perception of your adoption and what's going on around you, you made it a reality through the medium that you chose, essentially. Is that sort of what you were going for? Exactly. It's almost like you're okay. (laughs) That's a it's it's great. It's good. It's good. Yes. Let's take a break. are the root of a lot of conflict sometimes yeah. really bad concept alone is actually how come I am now nannying because this was not planned I actually got into an argument with my my mother okay. and it ended on a very positive note really it was just a, I think what I'm understanding now for us and this is goes into a conversation about our parents and our relationship with our parents mm-hmm specifically is so unique in itself but perception and reality came up in that argument and a really big takeaway from that was I understand that now that I am an adult my perception and my reality are very different from yours it's based on what our insecurities are but with that in mind too I found things such as art or being able to connect in a community really allows you to, I guess, share your reality with other people who may share more line with your reality too. Yeah, definitely. That's going on a tangent a little yeah. bit, but yes. Yeah. I do like how you explained it too, because that's very true. So many different avenues that I took with my video. One of them being, because I like also animation, and there was one bit mm-hmm. which the part in my art which really kind of struck a chord when I think I was finding things like probably most difficult and that was when I made a video where I took photos of my old baby passport because I still have that I took a lot of photos and then what I did to it I basically just kind of moved the mouth up and down so I could talk Ah. it was kind of a bit my words that are now so when I was 20 it was a letter that I wanted to write to my biological mum so I scripted Mm. out this letter I remember I shared it in one of the like critiques that we have at art school in it they'd be always really daunting and that was something something pretty big that I felt that was like oh I'm gonna share this because that's what I've been working on which is another thing, it's, it's daunting, isn't it? Sharing it with people who aren't adopted. 
mm-hmm. I shared it with them and it seemed like a fairly good response but they did say there needs to be maybe some visuals to go alongside it and then I thought oh this would be a really great pairing if I then connected my voice to actually like eight <laughs> months old me and have you know my words connected to my mouth and watching Mm. would feel like quite haunting in a way because like I look at my mm-hmm. uh, passport picture and clearly I obviously wasn't happy in the picture because I mean what kid is happy mm. in a passport picture anyway having this like quite like <laughs> inquisitive but also worried look and then I'm moving the map up and down mm-hmm. and that really struck a chord when I was doing that and that felt like quite powerful um and that was also where I tried to link the kind of google Maps search of the orphanage where I couldn't find it um Um, and I kind of animated the passport so it looked like it was you know flying and I was bye-bye I'm off to England now in the the animation I took a screenshot of the Google Maps and kind of of the region and how that you know felt like it was playing a part in I don't know just the visuals of having the map with the passport and then me moving my mouse when I was 18 months and then onwards from there that was kind of where it then continued into like my actual adoption project at that time it was when I think I was like having just generally like a lot of confusion Ming one of the other adoptees in the various groups she was like unbelievably kind to buy a 23andMe DNA kit for me because my god aren't they so I was like that's just amazing so she did that for me which was like I'm internally grateful I'm internally (laughs) and externally grateful uh that she did that for me and that was where it just really helped to kind of boost where I was going. And I remember that by doing this, it was kind of done a bit in secret that I was having feelings and I mm-hmm. felt like I couldn't reach out to my parents about this or I didn't feel ready or I felt like the only time in order to reach out was after I <laughs> would somewhat have a kind of meltdown over it and I think it did I think that's what happened got to a kind of crux in my kind of stress levels and then me and my adoptive parents had a pretty big argument and a sort of it all like flooding out Mm -hmm. and yeah it did definitely help it helped me understand a little bit better that a few of the jigsaw pieces were being placed down but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're being you know placed in the right place so I still feel very confused about it and I still feel like there is that kind of elephant in the room which I feel like has always been there to be honest Mm -hmm. and I guess it depends on where my feelings go because, of course, you know, they fluctuate so much. It's interesting. It's something that I definitely feel like I'm 
definitely not done in terms of art to like use that as content uh because of course you know anyone who's a creative or anyone anyway like i'm not a writer or a performer artist musician you know mm -hmm. all of their content is going to be it's going to be aided by of course their experiences i'm definitely going to come back to adoption i'm very sure with my art but after my final major mm. project i felt very like i did feel very content that i felt like i had smoothed everything out literally by myself and through mm -hmm. my art as well as um connecting to adoptees online who helped like enormously mm -hmm. and and that really <laughs> kind of felt like a sort of happily ever after sort of stage but of course things move on don't right. they so it's like it's never happy ever after you know as mm -hmm. my feelings change i'm sure i'm gonna dip in and out of more adoptee art content you know well that that's actually a good segue yeah. into the last question i usually like to ask is there anything you would like to hear from other adoptees or people who adoption has been a really big part of is there anything you want to share or hear is there anything that i'd like to know from other adoptees i think when i'm looking on the you know adoptee groups online i'm always very interested mm -hmm. in the posts about family relationships that's one thing that i feel ah. like if i see something related to parents or family or even friends i i'm kind of tuned in because as relationships go and maybe i feel like this is probably even more so maybe in the uk because where i grew up it's like pretty much all white apart from the chinese takeaway people and when i was at school and the mm. school was about when i'm talking about primary school elementary school there was one teacher of color chinese but obviously me being that young i didn't care i didn't you know to be honest i didn't really see her as I didn't maybe see her as a good teacher. Maybe that was literally just my kind mm -hmm. of, you know, kind of internalized racism there that, oh, she's a Chinese teacher, so she mustn't be as good mm -hmm. as the white teachers. So just kind of relationships in general with people around you. I'm always tuned in with those posts. Oh, yeah. and I'm just, it's just, in, it's interesting to like know that a mm -hmm. lot probably of what i experienced is very similar to other adoptees and how they managed to tackle it mm -hmm. that's one thing that i feel like being part of the groups has really helped me to understand and also articulate because it is you know feelings being feelings as much as you know visuals being visuals trying to translate it trying to translate anything i think is very difficult so when people are like really mm -hmm. articulate on how they've managed to express a certain thing that for me has always seemed quite inexpressible it's just been like that's been uncomfortable but i don't know why or you know that 
that made me feel mm-hmm. like singled out, but I don't know why. When I hear mm-hmm. people articulate themselves, it's just like that is exactly it. That's that's amazing. I'm like, and I want to magpie that because I feel like you know, if a scenario comes up again. I want to like hold on to that so then I can then articulate myself but it's so difficult to like especially in like a moment say if you have an incident it's mm. so difficult to get your words out because yes. that like your like kind of emotion whether it's like shock or anger or anything just kind of like builds up and then you're just kind of like stunned and like a deer in the headlights so mm-hmm. difficult to to articulate yourself and that's one of our powers that we have this this really kind of like Mm -hmm. the biggest power that that we can have that's one thing out of the groups that I really feel like I want to harness and that's what I'm really grateful for the group so anything in relation to like relationships how people deal with scenarios or like just comments or I guess just behavior how they how they manage to deal with it how they feel about it that's kind of the the main thing that I'm most interested to find out mm-hmm. because essentially that's kind of like that's like our weapon isn't it our words can be weapons you know and we can <laughs> defend ourselves yes yeah yes they can be yeah it goes both ways yes especially in a very intense situation words are definitely a weapon I mean it goes both ways between adoptees and any relationship family I should definitely say you know parents are definitely I think the hardest too sometimes yeah definitely it's okay take it all one day at a time one breath at a time as I say and you have to pick your back as well you have to think like is this worth it am I gonna get you know a good outcome out of this yes I think that's all out of experience mm-hmm. at the end of the day. For me now, I feel like yes. there's, no, there's no point, you know, just let go. It can mm-hmm. feel really difficult, <laughs> you know, because if it was like for me anyway, if I know something is wrong, I do find it difficult to let it go. And that's definitely been mm-hmm. like my downfall I don't know if I should say downfall but definitely the friction between me and my parents is that I can't let it go and my mum also can't let it go so we're quite similar in that way but our views can be very opposing and that's where it's like problematic and usually Mm -hmm. out of those opposing views those opposing views usually being based on political issues. Oh those dear, political yes, issues Where we've had those really kind of aggressive arguments then always get related mm-hmm. back to identity, like, you know, me and what mm. our relationship means. If we can't share the same political views, how can we how can we then share the same opinions on on me and what I need, you know? And that's that's always the thing mm-hmm. that ah, that's 
the downfall because I always then think it's like, oh, well, if she must mean this, if my mom thinks this about this type of individual, let's talk about me now because I'm in a mood and I need to get it out. <laughs> I can yeah. 100% relate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it is really it's tough. tough because it's kind of like thinking like, really, there, there, there really is no standing on certain issues. And it's just, mm-hmm. yeah, I have that hasn't happened in a while though, which mm-hmm. I'm glad of. But that's good. I don't know. Maybe my mom has kind of taken a step back and thought, "Oh, that time that was really horrible. Let's try not to achieve that again." And then I'm also mm. trying to do the same. But it is hard sometimes. Yeah, definitely. If it's, if it's anything relating yes. to clashing on political views. It's, it's really difficult trying to end on a more positive note is really think about your own happiness too what is it that you have to do to find your own happiness because a lot of love too I think we all do share a lot of love for our birth parents and our adoptive parents hopefully love yeah. is quite complicated and I think you bring up a good point the tension may not go away between you and your mom or dad whatever the relationship is but I'm sure you guys love yeah, one another I guess. in its yeah. own way. We all express it. it it's tough. It yeah. is tough though. Well, these projects you've talked about, are they on your Instagram or do you have your Instagram. videos and stuff out? I do have or... a Vimeo. It does have a lot of shit on there. It does <laughs> come across yeah. and probably like, oh my God, this girl is weird. <laughs> a lot of it is Aren't on my Instagram, my, my art Instagram and I just kind of like share the things on there and then it's usually got the links on there I've got my I think the link to my my video as oh. well what is your my art Instagram uh, is art just, Instagram um then. the grace pain so the grace pain on Instagram yeah yeah it was really great to talk with you though yeah it was a lot of fun I, I hope, have a lot I hope of fun. you had a lot of it's fun like, these opportunities just don't come around which is just like really refreshing when they do mm. so thank you for getting in touch and um yeah of course <laughs> thanks for responding <laughs> i'll say goodbye for now and we will i'm sure we'll keep in touch i'll keep creeping on your instagram and sending you messages <laughs> yeah this is abc thank you for listening we are on major podcast platforms including apple and spotify Email adoptedbabiesfromchina at gmail.com or direct message adoptedbabiesfromchinapod on Instagram or Facebook or both if you would like to share your story. Bye! Bye, Grace.